Dimelang Avusheni and hello hi Umzanzi. Nolu Tandungakani here and welcome back to the Health Umzanzi podcast. I'm here to walk through your shame with you as you seek answers to those scary questions you are too afraid to ask about in public. I've got you through all those uncertainties, achy bones and your heart's woes. This week, a Barberton mother in crisis sent us this letter. It reads, My 14-year-old daughter had been throwing up off and on for the past couple of weeks. The school had me rush my daughter to the emergency unit for severe abdominal pains. The doctor ended up doing an ultrasound because they thought it might have been a cyst. Instead, we found out that my 14-year-old is nine weeks pregnant. I'm devastated. I feel like a failure as a parent. I'm also very conflicted between the logical choice, my daughter having an abortion and my religion. Let me start off by saying my daughter is in no position to be a mother. And not just because of her age. She's been getting into trouble at school a lot and has been caught smoking. We also cannot afford the expense of having another mouth to feed since we have five people in our household and can barely keep our heads above water. Anonza, this situation is so tricky. I get your frustrations. Did you know that over a hundred teenage mothers in South Africa gave birth on Christmas and New Year's Day this year? This figure from the National Health Department has sounded the alarm for local healthcare authorities. This week, we are joined by Dr. Mtembeni Tebelele, and activist Steve Litzike and Lucy Kofi, who help us understand the crisis of teenage pregnancy in South Africa. Lucy, let's start with you. How can we prevent teens from getting pregnant? Is it a matter of sexual education? What kinds of education models can we use to prevent the scourge of teenage pregnancy in South Africa? It's escalating and it's very scary when you look into how things are unfolding. Yes, we have sex education. One thing, it's about choice. You know, if we are forcing, if these kids, they feel like we're trying to instill these values and they're not aligning with, if they don't see the bigger picture, after the same education, they'll go open their legs and have STI without condom or whatever. And it's something that goes beyond. But the measures that must be put in place is to give people a lot of options. You know, I've noticed that when it comes, some of them, they'll tell you that, okay, the access I have to these condom, it's latex condom, for example. And some people are allergic to latex. It's a, a real that is there and they must use a non-latex condom. And the non-latex mostly is the ones that you buy. So by virtue or by default, they are excluded in the number of those people who can use free condoms. And what do they do? We know when it comes to women's condom, there's this stigma. People don't want to insert something two hours before you actually have the date. It's like the guy will say, ah, you've been too ready. <laughs> People are pretending out here. They don't want to look like they are extremely sexually active and all of these things. And I also feel like they do not understand the seriousness, actually, of having an STI and having HIV. Because some of them, they're like, ah, man, I'll take ARVs and leave. It's not a big 
real to me. They're taking it so lightly. So I think if we are increasing the awareness, yes, I know when it comes to HIV, we've mobilized. There's so much things in communities and we believe that communities are well aware of these things, but there's still a stigma going collecting ARVs and whatsoever. And we have people who are HIV already and they're like, I cannot have this thing alone. At least 10 people must get it because someone else was selfish enough to give it to me. And also, we must have laws in place. You cannot do that. If you know your status, you have to disclose. You cannot say, I am intentionally spreading this virus. We are standing here looking at ways, measures, you know, to stop this thing from spreading. But you are pushing your own agenda. So it's very important that they really, really understand, not to just show up and put on social media and say, I was doing sexual and reproductive health. Do people really understand what we are referring to? And how far can we go? And what is the department doing about it? Because when it comes to sexual and reproductive health, we can't say uh, the Department of Health. We need all the departments that are relevant to this thing to come together. The Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disability, they must come on board, NYDA. You know, all of these pillars must come together and join forces, call researchers, call medical doctors, and say, guys, we're dealing with HIV for so many years in South Africa. How far are we? Can we reflect? And what new ways we can now raise awareness? What better solutions? Because I believe they've been on the ground and they've seen how the knowledge is received. And also when you talk to kids about sex-related topics, you also get that resistance, like, you, you can't talk about sex. All of these other things, they prefer going online and Google things and they're likely to get misinformation and all of these things that will actually make their life worse. So even at home, we encourage parents, have the safe space for your kids and talk about these things. It's not like they don't know. They already know. I would be better to give them the information than them to go out there from friends and get wrong information. So normalize these empowering conversations at home, in the church context, in the cultural context. You know, bring everyone on board. Don't say it's only for Lucy's, who is a women's health activist or sexual and reproductive. It's your responsibility at home as well, as much as it's my responsibility. You want everyone on board. Yes, the song can. Babies can't be having babies. <laughs> babies can't be having babies. Like another thing when it comes to teenage pregnancy, it's not like we are addressing a girl child alone because statistics shows that men between 25 to 35, they are the ones who are fathers to these kids. We're also calling you out, old men. Mm. Stop sleeping with teenagers. Blame them alone. They did not make babies as babies. There was a matured old man or their peer who made a baby with them. So stop that behavior. This is a societal issue that must be addressed by the society. If at home you have a brother who's dating a teenager, call them out and say, you are too old for this child. Don't you see what you're doing is wrong? Because they run away and leave you with a baby. And we've normalized that like, ah, oh, when you have a matured man, you are rolling with big guns, eh? When are you bamba with the big boys? That's what they say. I always used to find it funny because I went to an, an all-girls school. Now. So then, you know, it would be this girl now having a baby with this taxi driver. And like you think like, but this person is old most. How can they be making babies with this person in grade 11? Uh, uh. 
So the society is messed up, guys. Mm. I think our ground root issues boils from the society. There are so many things we need to learn and unlearn and relearn as people mm. so that we don't blame a girl child at the end of the day. Because there are so many factors also that are intensifying or escalating the teenage pregnancy. Some are being raped, mm. which is not their choice. They did not choose that. It happens, the daily reality. Yeah. And some of them, it's actually family members, and there are so many issues. And some of them, their mothers allow all the people to give them money so that they can sleep with. Guys, the society is messed up. Mm. So if we need solutions, we need to go back to the society as well and change some norms there. Because mm. some norms are just, they're selling their kids for bread. Mm. So if you know a mother who's doing that, call them out. There's nothing cute about that. And then, Steve, how can we encourage youth to practice safe sex? Who is to blame not only for the high rates of teen pregnancy, but also the high rates of HIV and AIDS infection amongst the most vulnerable groups, which are young black women? Because youth is a really broad definition. It really caters for young people up to the age of 35. But when you look at our HIV response, we got to understand our commitment as a country around who is really affected. We got to really break down tailored intervention, looking at key and vulnerable population because we understand our epidemic. And that helped us so much in how we respond to the epidemic. And I did say that, you know, we are a multisectoral council. Now, that broadness of definition of youth we got to understand who is vulnerable amongst young people. And you would have seen data that has been presented over years, globally, but also at national level. That speaks around new HIV infections amongst adolescent girls and young women. And you also look at who really are the people that are infecting adolescent girls and young women, because we know whether we're talking teenage pregnancy and we seem to even normalized at what stage do we know the teenage pregnancy at a particular age, it's statutory rape. And also the fact that we have high levels of gender-based violence in South Africa. We know the issue of gender, of power, dynamics, of patriarchy, of misogyny, and how this affects adolescent girls and young women. So we've seen an increase of new infections amongst adolescent girls and young women over the years. And these are girls between the ages of 15 and 24 years old. And part of our response was to determine how we respond and how we give special attention to adolescent girls and young women. So if you take a look at what has happened between 2010 and 2017, there was indeed a decline in new infection. This is global phenomena, but we've seen also decline here in South Africa. If you and I spoke five years ago, you would be asking me how much is the new infection that are contributed amongst adolescent girls and young women. We used to have up to 2,500 new infections weekly. If you calculate this in a year, you have over 90,000 new infections. This is just on adolescent girls and young women. You're not even talking about what is the issue with adolescent boys and young men. You're not even talking about other key population like LGBTI or even sex workers and so forth. So the data that has been collected over years, we got to understand what needed to be done. Now you bring even the element of teenage pregnancy. 
Remember, without any condom use, if you have young people that are sexually active, even with older men, the Tembisa model had uh, shown and demonstrated us that um, these young girls are infected by older men, and these are men over the age of 36 and so forth. And you got to even understand that you're not only just talking HIV transmission, you're also talking pregnancy, you're also talking STI, sexually transmitted infection, and many others. And these are dynamics that we consistently have to deal with when collecting data, when looking at interventions that needs to be done. How do we respond to the family planning? What are the things around comprehensive sexuality education that we need to embark? And you would know South Africa is one of the countries that have been implementing comprehensive sexuality education since 2000. But right now, just about two years ago, we see a rise of parents saying this should not happen. You are teaching our children sex and so forth. People are rejecting scientifically proven social behavior element of teaching and allowing and empowering young people to make empowered decisions as they develop. So we have quite a lot of issues that we need to battle with. And I think we need to understand that conditions of young people do vary. They are also influenced by class. They're influenced by geographical location race, and many others. So if you are even in the deep rural areas, you are even in dire situation. If you are even Black, so there are quite a number of intersectional issues that we have to think about when we look at prevention interventions and even treatment interventions for that matter. You would think that a simple solution would be for these older men who commit statutory rape acts just to keep it in their pants or something like that. Instead of, you know, ruining a young girl's life with not just a baby, but a a sexually transmitted disease. These are social issues that we fight with. For me, the simple solution, it's really about accountability. Who holds these men accountable? If I'm a parent, and let me not even talk about the question of if, I'm a parent. Today, my daughter turns 20 years. And we know to what extent... We can protect children when they are close to us and so forth. But immediately if they're exposed to society, to schools, to church and all of that, they may be vulnerable. So I have constantly been worried, even if I have equipped my own daughter with the correct knowledge and understanding of what is known and how do you report human rights violation. And I think we need to do it. We need to give every child the opportunity, the same privilege that I've given and I've extended to my daughter. It's the privilege that must be reaching every young person because they are our children. Every now and then, whenever I go anywhere, I regard every children I come across as my child. I speak to them as my children and I advise them as my children. And I think that's quite important to speak about accountability. So if parents know that their child have been exposed to sexual violence. You know, this morning I had a case in my office, a 19-year-old who came to report, uh, you know, sexual assault because we do provide legal support and psychosocial support. And you can see, and this child is saying, I know my rights. I screamed and I did one, two, three. And this man violated me. To a point this child even have panic attacks that whenever he hears a male voice, is getting panic attacks. So we needed to provide psychosocial support. And this is now, this is about the role of parents, but it's also about the role of society. Every member of society is responsible 
if you're a pastor, if you're a neighbor, if you are a police officer and you know that somebody's violated, act up, show up and speak out. These men must be held accountable. And our justice system, it's one that we also need to watch very closely. Why are parents so hesitant about implementing sexual education in schools, Dr. Tibelele? It is a pandemic, especially if you look at the statistics that was released in Tobe, was it 2021, which showed that there are even 10-year-olds and a lot of young girls are falling pregnant and it is still continuing. Who should we blame? We should blame ourselves, especially uh, us. The issue of sex, people are pretending that sex is not happening. It's very difficult even for old people. People can do sex now and then they wear their ties and spectacles tomorrow and pretend that sex has never happened. They've never seen sex or their senior preachers in church. They've never seen anything close to sex. So sex is like a dark room thing, something that is not supposed to be seen or talked about anywhere. That is what has created problems for us. It's good that radios, TVs and programs like yours now are beginning to create some ventilation. So that that is the that is the cure number one, talking about it then people are aware. Teenagers are going to experiment. Like you as a teenager and even your mother and your father as a teenager, they went through the stage of being teenagers. They were curious to find out what is happening in this field. So even your own kids are going to do the same thing. We are caught up with denial as parents. We pretend or we would like our kids not to have sex and we think they are going to behave according to that. Hence, we get shocked every day. The best thing is that they keep experimenting with little knowledge. They are unaware that now you've started having menstruation. Menstruation means you've started ovulating. There's a chance that you could be pregnant. If you are to sleep with a boy, you are going to be pregnant. And then even boys, they are unaware that now they've started producing sperms. They've got wet dreams and the balls have grown. The penis has grown. It means they are capable of making someone pregnant. And they sleep as if they are playing. None of them is, is conscious of the or, or caring more about the consequences of what could happen. They're experimenting. No one is preventing. No, no one is thinking about HIV until they spill and then they become conscious. So it's experimenting. They are playing with leaky information because we're not providing information. We need to provide information. Parents are not comfortable talking to their kids. Even me as a life coach and as a doctor, it's difficult for me to speak with my kids about sex. But the nice thing is that I speak about it on radio and all over. So I use some of those things to initiate. It's not easy, but I start off as playing. So there's a lot of psychology involved. So I get to know. And fortunately, they understand that their dad is doing this and that and that. So we get talking. I want them about what life is about and what they should be careful about. One thing you should understand, teenagers won't come back to you and make an announcement that now I've started having sex. They won't. Just know that the fact that this age, they are vulnerable. These are things that like to happen. We see teenage pregnancy even this week, even next week, and even last week is continuing. And parents are shocked. I even put a video, a, a clip on, on TikTok that parents would be shouting at us, Jan, Lumdana Zanga, Zanga, Lashaka, and Mine, Zanga, and Zasenja, Mosid Mamma, why dad, Nancy Tom, Dan, as soon as I'm done. That's what I'm saying now as a doctor. Eoba, whatever, where did she get or he get the cap and whatever? Now there's a kid in the womb. So it's still a shock in parents because we are caught up with denial. We have not accepted that our kids know more. I mean, if you started menstruating at age 18, 19, but these kids are starting at age 10. So things have changed. 
So it means we need to make them ready and make them aware that they are at a risk of falling pregnant much earlier than we did. So we start equipping them. It's not like we're encouraging them to do sex or to engage in sexual activities, but to know the dangers and be aware of their risk because it's difficult for a kid to raise another kid. And if you look at statistics on in terms of uh, problems in maternity and whatever, we find that kids who fall pregnant at a younger age, they give you headaches. They carry higher risk and everything. So there's a lot involved. There's a lot involved, especially if you look at outcomes, pregnancy outcomes. You okay. mentioned something about old people dating. It's very interesting if you look at who is actually making these teenagers pregnant. It mm-hmm. may not necessarily be other teenagers who are playing hide and seek with them. Hence, I said, adolescents are uh, classified as key population because there's a tendency of older men to attract younger women and of late older women to attract younger boys as parents. They give them everything and then all they want in them. So there, there, there's that mismatch and the willy-willy uh, of people dating people with a huge age gap. Then the power scales will swing towards the senior sex partner. So as an adolescent, you'll find that this person is given resources and everything. So they do everything that the older partner is actually demanding. So they put their lives at risk. Hence, I heard there was a national outcry that any pregnant uh, teenager should actually be sat down and then we find that who has made them pregnant. And then we trace if is there no issue that you try to rape there and so on. Once we start doing those things, then it may actually create a dent or minimize the problem. Because these kids are excited. They like beautiful cars and they like money. People want data. People want food. And so on, especially if they come from poor background and so on. All this life and kids and so on may actually excite them. And then they get used and then they get pregnant. And their future is actually messed up. Yeah, the world we love is really crazy. It's something. <laughs> but government is quite far in terms of uh, sexual education. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. Like, is it a sex education problem? Like, why isn't government, you know, doing more to kind of promote sexual education, especially in school? I think there was a try, but parents were resistant. <laughs> Even introduction of condoms. Mm. You see, parents are caught up with denial. There's a stage that government was trying to introduce condoms and whatever, and parents were feeling that their kids are made aware of sex and whatever, and yet kids are aware of sex. That is denial. So parents must understand. We must utilize all these platforms, social media, radios, TVs, and so on. It's good that we put out statistics. When we put out statistics, we are talking numbers. These are the number of teenagers who fell pregnant in Port Elizabeth in 2022. Mm. We are not talking about ghosts. You're not talking about imaginary things. Let the figures stare at them so that they know. Just like with circumcision. If you say we lost about 20 initiates and whatever, no. Let people know there were 20 healthy boys who had an ambition to become men. Mm. And five of them lost their penises through Mm. gangrenous penises. Mm. And 15 of them ended up in hospital and died of septicemia. Mm. And put slides in front of them. Yes. Because the way people handle this thing is like they are talking about imaginary things, they are lying, they are trying to scare us and whatever. There's no such a thing. Let 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 the figures relate more. Let's let's make them a uh, fit men who are presenting young girls. These are thirteen thousand young girls who fell pregnant from April, I mean from first of March twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. And out of them, 
18 were less than age 10. And they came from Sibukeng, if they came from Sibukeng and whatever. So that people begin to relate the numbers to reality. Because if you talk numbers as in numbers only, people may think, no, this is far away from us. This is why we are trapped with HIV, because we thought HIV was far away from us. Even this pandemic of teenage pregnancy, people are still mm -hmm. caught up in denial. They think it's happening in certain regions, and yet it's amongst us. As a family practitioner, I see a lot of pregnant teenage girls, and I always think about mine. Hence, I always come home and say, hey, be careful, be careful, and so on. If you have you got any crush and whatever, let us start those kinds of talks and whatever, and make these kids feel easier to discuss with us so that we are able to equip them. Because uh, teenagers will always be teenagers. They are, there's hormones involved, there's curiosity, there's an element of proving that they are independent, they can run their lives and so on, so they gamble, they are, they are adventurers. So out of those adventures, they get trapped in us, they get trapped in these things, and teenage pregnancy may result out of the excitement. Thank you to our guests for joining this week's episode of the Health from Zanzi podcast. Now, if you're looking for more on our conversation on teenage pregnancy and prevention, visit healthformzanzi.co.za. And dear friends, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can send a WhatsApp to 063-633-0628. I would never blue tick you, babes. Protect girls in South Africa. From my conversation with Steve, Lucy and Dr. T, it is very clear that there are several complex reasons for the country's high teenage pregnancy rate. Sexual violence and abuse. Poverty. Another one could be the lack of children gaining access to contraception. Nurses also refusing to help young people and chasing them away. Or that the children do not know how to use contraception like condoms. We need to do better in protecting our children, even if it means having these uncomfortable conversations. That brings us to the end of episode 83 of the Health from Zanzi podcast. From me, Lulu Nakani, have a great week. And remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. <laughs>